the projector of your heart were turned on and on, on these screens today, what would it show us? <laughs> G-rated? Or more like a Yellowstone type of documentary, huh? Right? Today, we're going to continue this series entitled Overflow, and we're looking at the heart. This is the, the month of love, and hearts are all over the place. Man, I hope you remembered it, right? I did. About noon on Monday, when about every dude in Bernie was there at HEB and we were scrambling for the last remnants of, of Valentine paraphernalia, right? Uh, I hope that you have had a great, but we're looking at the heart and love is in the air. We tell people we love them. We've written it out in cards. We've cooked and prepared meals. We've, we've, we've given out Valentine's, but we're looking at this thing called the heart because not is it just a big deal in, to, in our culture today, but it's a big deal to the Lord. The heart's a big deal. We know it's a big deal, as we said last week, to our physical bodies that, you know, you can lose the, the, the use of, of, of some other organ or maybe a, a finger or an arm or, or what have you. But, but when your heart stops, you stop. <laughs> it's a big deal to us physically. And make no mistake about it that, that, that when the Bible speaks about the heart, it speaks of it in, in a major way also. In fact, Solomon, the wisest man in the world, would write these words in Proverbs chapter four, that we need to guard our heart above all else. He says, it's your heart that sets the course of direction for your life. And so today, when we talk about, hey, what's in your heart, right? It's a big deal. Are you guarding it? Are you protecting it? We, we, we know that our nation and many of us in this room, even we need heart work. Do we not? We need a heart transplant. We need heart transformation. God says in Jeremiah chapter 17, that the heart is deceitful. He says it is wicked. It's the most perverse thing out there, right? It's crazy. God knows what's in our heart. He sees that. The psalmist would write, God, search my innermost thoughts, right? See if there is any wicked thing in me. Isn't this an encouraging word so far? We sing about Jesus and now we're just talking about how we're all wicked and we're jacked up, right? The heart is a big deal. Let me ask you a question today. Have you, have you ever made a decision, participated in an activity, taken a course of direction with your life in which it was so bad. You were so wrong. You were so off that maybe you had, you came to that place where you felt like there was no possible way that God would want to have anything to do with you. You ever been there? You may have ever blown it. Awesome. We're going to have testimony time right now. I'm just going to have you stand and we're not going to do that. There's so many people, and some of us even in this room or maybe watching us online that feel like, you know, I've just done something so bad that there is no possible way that God would ever want me to come near to him, right? Well, we, we know that here on earth that when we hurt somebody or when we do something wrong or maybe let a parent down or a teacher down or whatever, that oftentimes they even like, man, I just, I, I need, I need some space. I don't, I don't need to be near you right now, right? Some of us, though, have, have let the enemy creep into our psyche too much. And, and, and he has 
made us feel as if God would not want to have anything to do with us. Today, I want to give us a word of encouragement, if I can. Because someone here today maybe just feels like you're too far gone. Your past is too sordid and dirty. You've made too many poor decisions. Even right now, maybe even last night, there was just some wrong decisions made. And you just feel like there is no hope in heaven (laughs) that God would have anything to do with you. Well, today I want to introduce you to a gentleman who probably, well, he, he, he had a blunder of biblical proportions. He made a mistake. He, he, he made it. We, we talk about it a lot. We, we, we mention his name. And when I mention his name, there's another name that comes to mind. And, and, and we just think, oh my gosh, that guy really blew it. But yet this man that blew it was still known as a man after God's own heart. How can someone who screws up so badly still be considered as a man after God's own heart. Today, I want us to look at the life of David. Is that okay? And, and as I was thinking about David, and, and of course, there, there are so many things that come to his mind. Many of you may think about how he was a great musician, right? He wrote half of the Psalms that we read about in scripture. But, but, but when I think about what would make David classified as a man after God's own heart? Well, first of all, I would just simply say this. God said he was. Stop the bus right there. You need to know who God says you are. You need to, listen, people, people tell you who you are, do they not? Oh man, they, they make up so much stuff about you, do they not? But you need to know who God says you are. And when Samuel comes to anoint the king that would take over after Saul, it's the youngest of Jesse's sons, a guy by the name of David, that he says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, I believe, this is the one that I'm going to use for my purpose. This will be a man that is after my heart. Paul would reiterate that in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, when he would remind us that the Lord said, David is a man after my own heart heart. So how does someone who screws up so badly still get that title? I think about David and first of all, I think about his faith in God. You you remember another story about David when he brought some crackers and cheese to his brothers who were out fighting a battle one day and, and there was a big braggadocious trash talking Philistine by the name of Goliath that was standing there taunting Israelites. David says, I'll fight you. I believe that my God will give me the victory. Come on, somebody. You see, David had faith in God. I I, I think about David's love for the word of God. He would write even throughout Psalms. He says, thy word have I hid in my heart. God, I meditate on your law day and night. You see, a man after God's own heart loves the word of God. David held that word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Well, he should have thought about that one when it comes to 2 Samuel chapter 11. We'll look at that in just a second. I think about how David had this attitude of praise. David had this spirit of, of thanksgiving. He would write things like this. Come into his courts with thanksgiving in your heart and give him praise. You see, guys, what we do here is a big deal. We're entering God's courts with praise and we're thanking him for all that he's done. But yet today I want us to look at this guy who made the biggest, one of the biggest blunders in all of scripture and why I believe that God would still call him a man after his heart is because 
David was repentant. You see, listen, David wasn't perfect. David still made mistakes and blunders throughout his life. But yet what we're gonna find here today is that David demonstrated a heart of repentance. And so for the person that's listening here today to this message, I want you to know something. Hey, come on, you're not too far gone. In which a loving, gracious God in heaven, oh, can't reach you. Are you with me today? Wow. In First Samuel, or excuse me, Second Samuel chapter 11, we read about this big blunder in David's life. It says that in a time when kings were off at war, David was back at home. He wasn't where he should have been. He was back at home chilling at the crib when he should have been out fighting with his men. He looks out and he sees a lady by the name of Bathsheba taking a bath, get it, Bathsheba bathing. And it wasn't the look that messed David up. Listen, the reality is we all face temptation, do we not? Come on, we all do. Yet David pursued that. Instead of turning and fleeing from that, he gave in. You guys know one of the biggest blunders in all of scripture, David's relationship with Bathsheba. It wasn't that they weren't married. That's big enough because sex before marriage just goes against God's perfect plan for your life. That might be another sermon. Probably should do that in the love month too, should we not? But the other problem was is that Bathsheba was married. You see, she had a husband by the name of Uriah who was off fighting the war for David, his king. And David, Bathsheba becomes pregnant because of the relationship that David had with her. And David trying to cover up his sin, tries to, to just, well, you know the story. If you don't read it in first, sec, excuse me, second Samuel chapter 11, we know that ultimately he has Uriah put out on the front lines. He's killed. David and Bathsheba become whatever. They've already become something, haven't they? But they continued. David tried to cover his sin. But in 2 Samuel chapter 12, there's a friend of David's by the name of Nathan who comes and says, hey, listen, I know what's happened. And he calls his friend out in the spirit of love. And David begins to, he writes these words in Psalm chapter 51, where I want us to camp out here today. In this season of feeling insignificant, maybe feeling like he was done, David comes to the place where he acknowledges his wrong. He seeks forgiveness from heaven. There's spirit of humility and he repents of his sin. Look at the word of the Lord says that David writes in Psalm chapter 51. He says, have mercy on me, O God, <clears throat> because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Hey, are you carrying around some guilt today? <clears throat> some sort of thought of wrongdoing. That word sin means anything that we do that goes against God's plan for our life. Anything that wrongs his heart is called sin. David says, I recognize my rebellion there in verse three. He says, and it haunts me day and night. He says, against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil <clears throat> in your sight. You have proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. You see, you need to understand something. David's about to receive forgiveness of his sins because of a humble and a repentant heart. 
but yet his sin still had consequences to it. I was born a sinner, he says in verse five. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb or the innermost parts, a.k.a. the heart, teaching me wisdom even there. Oh, Lord, purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. You see, for someone here listening today, maybe today the enemy is just weighing you down over something you've done. He's weighing you down and calling you names of what he thinks you are. And maybe you've, like David, you've lost your joy. You've lost your reason for living. You've lost that life. Jesus says, I've come that you may have life, right? He says, the enemy's the one who still kills and destroys, but I want you to have life. And maybe just here today, your joy is waiting. It's waiting in your repentance. It's waiting in you confessing and seeking forgiveness of your wrongness. I'm telling you, the Lord can restore some joy to somebody in this house today. Don't keep looking at my sins, David says. Lord, remove the stain of my guilt. And I love verse 10. Here we go. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. I love that verse, verse 10. David asked the Lord to create in him a clean heart. That word create in the Hebrew is the word bara, and it means to create. It can mean to create from nothing, right? We know that in Genesis, God created, right? Sometimes he created maybe some things from nothing. We know that when he created man in his image, he actually created man from something from the dirt of the ground, right? Breathed his spirit into them. But God is the God of Bara. He creates. And it's important for us to understand something today because this room is filled and those watching online, this room is filled and online viewers are, we, we all know we can't make ourselves clean. I, I want you to know something. This clean spirit and this forgiveness can only come from a God who Bara's, who creates. It's him that brings a loyal spirit. It's him that takes that stony, stubborn heart that I prayed about earlier and replaces it with a heart of flesh. Come on, somebody. Aren't you thankful that that's what God stands ready to do for you today? That he wants to give you life. He wants to forgive you of your sins. David says, Lord, I want to be willing to obey you. Restore to me the joy of, my, of your salvation. Hmm. This is a reminder to me today, and I hope that this might encourage someone in this room today, that there is no sin too great that can't be forgiven. Did you hear that? There is no sin too great to be forgiven. You see, for some of us listening here today, the enemy's done a great job, has he not? Making us feel worthless and insignificant. Oh, what you did, whoo, if they only knew. 
Now they might know and and people might treat you wrong, but listen, here's the deal. Sometimes people don't treat us the way that God treats us with our sinfulness. And we're going to get to that in just a second, but, 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 but listen, there is no sin too great that can't be forgiven. That is a message of hope for someone here today, because I asked you earlier, Hey, have you done something in which you just feel like you can't get close to God? See, the enemy wants you to stay in that mindset <laughs> too dirty. Come on. Wait till I tell other people what you've done. But God wants you to know today that he has come and we sing a song to break chains. He's come to break strongholds. He's come to set you free from that bondage, that mindset that the enemy for far too long has weighed you down with. Come on. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. And for someone here today, today is the day of breakthrough for you. Today is the day that the chains are broken. You need to know that God is madly in love with you. And just as David understood that, and just as David went to the Lord and asked for forgiveness, I'm telling you, forgiveness awaits those who call upon the Lord. Psalm 32 is, 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 is another Psalm that goes hand in hand with Psalm 51. These are called penitential Psalms, meaning that they're Psalms of repentance. You see that word repentance means not only acknowledging what I've done wrong, but it means to stop living that and pursuing it and begin to go an opposite direction. David understanding his sinfulness, asking God to forgive him of that and repenting, approaching him with this heart of humility, which is so important. We're going to talk more about that next week. But David wants the joy of his salvation restored. He would write these words in Psalm 32. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Isn't it good to know that you're not too far gone in which God can't forgive you? Oh, what joy waits for those whose sin is forgiven. Yes, those What joy for those whose record the Lord is cleansed of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refuse, David says, to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I, I groaned all day long, day and night. Your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. But finally, God, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And then what the Lord do? He made me feel insignificant and beat me up and held me down and made me feel worthless and dirty. And just, no, that's not what it says. It's not what my Bible says. If you're reading the satanic Bible, it probably says that. But the word of the living God says, and he forgave me all my guilt is God. Is that not good news in a world and in a culture and in a day where we like to hold people's junk and funk against them and over their head? Aren't you thankful that we have a God in heaven who is filled with amazing grace? And come, I th- that's good. Thank you. You can clap for that. You can clap for God's grace. He's good and he forgives us and he wipes that guilt away. You need to know that today. 
that when I come before the Lord, that David had to confess. You know what confession is? Confession means that I agree with God that what I've done is sinful and, and, and that I was in the wrong. That God, what I did, a thought, a word, an action, a decision, what I did, God, was wrong in your sight. He was wrong. And David came to that place where he confessed that to the Father. Listen, all of us have some of that stuff in our lives, do we not? Come on, is there anybody in this room that does not have any type of wrong in them? Well, you're wrong for thinking that because you do. The Bible says we all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. We're eat up with wrongness. We all have that problem. But I just want to give you hope today that there is forgiveness in the Father. Did you remember what David said here? You, you, you need to catch this. Sin confessed our sins forgiven. Do you hear that? When, when, when I confess my sins, he says, God, you forgive me. All my guilt is gone. So, 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 so this is me. When, when I confess my sins and I repent of that and I, and I turn from that, right? I don't need to walk around still returning to that guilt and shame and being burdened, feeling like, you know, I'm depleted. My strength's evaporated, David. So no, no, I don't need to do that. Why? Because that's not how God wants me to respond to his incredible forgiveness and mercy and the grace that he's shown. Listen, do, do, do you remember what 1 John Chapter 1, verse 9 says, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just. To what? He forgives us of our sins and, it, and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Hey, you want to be forgiven of your past? Is there something that's weighing you down today? Is there some wrong? Is there something you need to confess? Hey, listen, you, you, you need to repent like David. You, 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 you need to return to, to God. You, you, you need to accept his, his forgiveness. He speaks of here in, in, in 1 John 1, 9. And you need to change the way you're living when I do those things, you know what God's saying in heaven? He says, listen, let's move from that. I have a fresh start for you. I have a new future. I've got something greater. Hey, quit sitting in that sin and that guilt and that shame. You confess that. We repent of that. And come on, it is time for you to embrace this life that I have for you. You see, listen, David could have sat in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, but he didn't. He dealt with his junk and with his funk. There were still consequences to that junk and funk. But David set out on a course, a new direction, living for the glory. 
that can be you today as well. The Radiant Bible study ladies are studying a Beth Moore study. And uh, I, I took my wife's notebook today because, hey, hey, men, do, do your wives preach to you sometimes? And they correct us, do they not? And I, I need some correction from time to time, right? But, but my wife shared, she just dropped a bomb. You, you ladies, have been, if you're in the Radiant Bible study, it's entitled, Now That Faith Has Come. It's a study of Galatians by Beth Moore. But, but, but in your study, I, I, was this this week? Okay. There, there was a phrase that my wife threw at me while I was watching the Winter Olympics. I love the Winter Olympics. Did you see the bobsled? Bro, that, we, need to, we need a bobsled track here at 1910. That would be awesome. Beth Moore is relating to how the early church lived with one another. And we like to read about that in Acts chapter 2 and how they took care of one another. But there's a spirit of accountability. There's a spirit of mutually encouraging one another. There's a spirit of, of pushing each other forward in the ways of God and, and just selling their things. If they have plenty selling, we, we, we know all of those things, but, but I love what Beth Moore says about this, because here's the reality of it is you and I, until the day the Lord calls us to heaven are going to constantly be battling temptations. The enemy is going to continue to stay after our tail. And he's going to continue to try to draw us in and lure us in. And did God really say that? Those types of moments. You know that, right? That's why we need to put on the armor of God daily, right? We know all that, right? She says, no one is immune from the battle. Our old ways, those thoughts, habits, those things can still tempt and try us. But I love what she goes on to say, to be followers of Christ, yet merciless and unforgiving, betrays an absurd misunderstanding of the gospel. And then here's the phrase, grace is like oxygen to the body. My heart circulates blood and pumps oxygen throughout my physical body. My heart is also the spiritual organ that drives me and the behaviors that I have and things are all driven from an overflow of my heart. But this idea of grace, hmm, forgiveness of God, the grace of God shown to us so undeserving, but yet we need it. Grace is oxygen to us. Without grace, without forgiveness of God, what kind of life would that be for any of us? And, and, and not only do we receive the grace and forgiveness of God, but check this out, Britt. He wants us to, to also be dispensers of that same grace and forgiveness one to another. It's oxygen our bodies. If you're listening today, I want you to know that there is no sin too big that can't be forgiven. And I want you to know that there is a God of forgiveness and grace, mercy, compassion. You can fill in so many other words that speak as to who he is. 
wants to step into your life today and remove whatever sin, guilt, shame, old habits. He wants to take all those things that are not of him away from you. He wants to put a heart of flesh, a heart that's alive, a heart that's filled with the spirit. He wants to put that in you. Would you stand with me today? Thank you for being patient. Ministry team, come join your preacher down front if you would. And Hey, would you, everyone else just bow your heads and close your eyes today. I just want to encourage you with something here today. Listen. Hopefully you've been encouraged a little bit today that as bad as you think you are or as bad as others have reminded you you are, you're not so bad that the love of God can't reach you. He wants to forgive you of your sin, your iniquity, your past. And, and he wants to give you a fresh start. He wants to put you towards uh, back on a path of purpose and meaning, direction that is honoring to him. He, God wants to use you. And so maybe there's just someone here today that's listening or watching us online that just feels like, hey, you know what, today I need to confess some stuff. I need to get right with God. Just do that right now. Listen, he knows your heart. David says, search me, oh God, see if there's any wicked thought within me. Right? He knows that. Just Would you confess whatever that is that maybe is hindering and limiting a, God using you completely? What, what is it? Would you just confess that to him right now? Repent of that. That means I'm going to stop that. and I, I, I'm actually going to set my direction a different way. I'm going to move away from that type of lifestyle, God, to embrace, well, what you have for me. Let me remind you of some scripture today. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away and all things become new. I've already shared with you, he who the Son sets free is free indeed there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved so Jesus I want to thank you for the forgiveness that you offer us Lord, you know that the spirit is willing, but our flesh is oftentimes weak. God, you know that we're going to make poor decisions. God, sin is still going to be a real part of our lives. God, you know that we're not going to be perfect. We do want to strive for holiness. God, yes, God, we want to live for you. And God, forgiveness doesn't give us a blank check just to go out and live like the devil. No, 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 no. We need to live for you, Lord. But God, I want to thank you for the reminder today of a man by the name of David who, although he was the anointed one and he blew it big time, you didn't give up on him. And I'm praying that that would resonate in someone's spirit listening today. 
fact, I'm going to pray for that person here today, God, that's never given their life to you, that today they would run to the front to one of my friends that are standing here and say, hey, I want Jesus to come into my life. I want to give him my heart. I want him to take that stony, stubborn one out and give me a heart of flesh, a heart that's alive and active. I want, to, I want Jesus to save me. If that's you, I want you to come today. Maybe there's something you need to confess. Repent of. Don't miss this moment today. Don't miss the grace of God. It's oxygen to our body. And we need that. God, thank you for your love, for your mercy, your forgiveness. May we go from this place and live forgiven people. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody in this house said, come on, everybody in this house said, you are dismissed. Go eat Mary's tacos.